Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode two of the War Banner podcast, where we're dropping Ass Banner. Dropping Ass Banner constantly, consistently, every time there's a DPS check, every time that we need to push through a boss fight. And I am joined today, as always, by the Billion Health Blood DK, the man who makes most Dark Souls fights look like a joke, the man who can break his fingers and three-shot the Cleric Beast, I bring you my good friend, Darthurd. Darthurd, how are you doing today? Uh, you just reminded me when I first broke, I think it was a million HP, and I just felt like I could quit the game at that point. I think we talked about it a little bit last week, but one of my favorite things was going into those dungeons with you and just watching you pull the entire dungeon and then heal yourself and then like smash through all the mobs. Like Not only did you do the most healing, and obviously the most threat out of the tanks, but also you did the most DPS out of the DPS. Banda was good times. I like that. that. That was fun. That was when they didn't care about, you know, like, oh, this could break this, but you know, fuck it. Why not? You know? And it's just, yeah. Uh, DKs were in a good spot back then. And it was fun. Just I would queue up, not because it's like, oh, I need a group or whatever. I just, I wanted that tank bag and I'm just going to solo the entire dungeon. Even in LFR, it was fun to watch you. And you, know, you, I remember you did it a few times while I was trying to get my legendary cloak. And I also remember you absolutely freaking hated it. But it was just funny to go in there and do like uh, Dark Shamans and everybody would be dead because nobody knew like how not to stand in tornadoes and shit like that. And you just solo tanked them down and killed them down and you didn't need a healer. Healer's dead. No problem. I'll be fine. And like you did that in our regular raids too. Like when we were, I think we were pushing progression on Mythic? Pretty sure. And something like that. There are multiple times where uh back in Panda that I was the the only um before you came, I was the only one alive and I was able to kill bosses. Um like right like I, I think even at one point one had enraged and I was still able to kill him. Like he killed me, but I killed him. So I was like, oh yeah, yeah, it counts as a kill. It was so funny watching the, those times, and they happen so frequently too. But that you know, it's one of those things that you enjoy um, about playing that game is seeing stuff like that. But one thing I like to think now, and this has kind of become prevalent with classic, is that it's not necessarily like what was going on in the game and whether the game was good or not. It was more about like who you were playing with, like your friends you were playing with, and some of the social relationships you were having, and maybe where you were at that time in life. Which is why I think classic takes off for so many people now who didn't have the experience before because to me like original classic when it came out i was so excited like oh i'm gonna play it again do all the things i didn't do and i didn't very, play it for very long because i was just kind of like uh like i've done this and i can't really find a guild and like i bet if i had found a guild made some new friends i probably would have stuck with it and continued playing but it wasn't like back in the day like when we were playing and you can kind of jump on and uh you know constantly like have something to do or like have friends on who were willing or wanting to do something. You know, it's just not like that anymore. Hopefully it'll get back to that one day or there'll be other games that come out where we, where we get that. I mean, you and I play games together and we still have that, but it's kind of rare on those other large scale games to find things like that these days. Yeah. It's incredibly unfortunate. Yeah. And, and I don't know how you replicate it. I mean, it has to be right place, right time, even right time period. One one uh, person was saying like, wow, was like social media with swords before social media really took off. And I thought that's actually not a bad take on it. You know, it was like the most advanced platform for something like that at that time. 
Yeah, actually, that's not a, a bad uh, way to put it. Because, I mean, if you think about old servers where before the whole cross-realm thing that you know polluted everything, it was just you knew everyone on that server. And so, yeah, that's, Recog- that's a good way to put it. Yeah, recognize people leveling up or like, you know, you have that like group. Every time I leveled a character, leveled an alt, like you always like found that group of people who were constantly leveling with you or like you'd recognize somebody from Silver Pine out and Stranglethorn, something like that. Yeah, exactly. And I think that feeling kind of came back with Classic as well. But, you know, again, I think it is what you make of it. And if you have other things going on where you can't take the time to do it seriously, or I, I think part of the reason, and I, we were talking about this just with like Bloodborne earlier, but um, one of the reasons it's so difficult is like, oh man, I don't really want to go through and like do all that stuff that's required of me. You know, to play classic or to play classic BC, you know, but classic Lich King's a little bit easier, but it's like the base game of what WoW became. It became so easy that it's taken away my ability to put an effort then to do anything but the bare minimum because the bare minimum is all I have to do. Like, want to do a dungeon? Queue up for it. That's it. You don't have to look for people. <laughs> that was something I struggled with when I was leveling with Fox and when I was leveling with you, where it's like, fuck, I don't really want to put a group together. Or I'll just go level, be by myself. And it's like, well, that's not what made the game enjoyable to begin with. But then again, maybe I've changed or maybe just my want to play the game has changed too. So it's interesting how, how all that switches, you know? Well, of course, like you, but as we were saying, you're easier if you had a, a larger group of people to play with that were all, you know, on the same page. Right. But, you know, and that's why guilds exist, but you have to go out and find one. And like, it's even putting in the effort to go out and find one. Like, it's cool to get like five of your friends to go do something, but, you know, it's kind of a rarity, right? So, you know, yeah. it's the effort you put in, I think. But anyway, we'll have plenty of time to talk about uh, World of Warcraft here in a bit. Let's get to our first uh, segment of the show. Let's talk about our playthrough update or what we've been playing. Um, Last week, you had said you wanted me to play Bloodborne, and I had wanted you to play This War of Mine. Did you pick up This War of Mine yet? I have. I'm planning on starting it tomorrow, actually. Excellent. So what I'll, what have you been playing this week? Um, mainly Path of Exile, a little bit of uh, some emulators, but other than that, just Path of Exile. What have you been emulating? Uh, it was a bit of a few of the older Pokemon games, and then I jumped on. Uh, I've been getting a little itch to start up my. Uh, every every few years, I, I get an itch to go through a bunch of old JRPGs, and so that's starting to come on now. Um, so I was playing a little bit of uh, Breath of Fire three as a starter. Oh, nice. I you know I play with emulators sometimes. It's mostly to play the old Pokemon games that I never played and then I never touch them again. But it sounds like the GameCube ones are really starting to uh, come along pretty solidly, which is exciting. Is that the Dolphin emulator? I believe so. It sounds like they're starting to come along like pretty well. And that's exciting for me because I really like want to play the old Rogue Squadron games. And honestly, I haven't looked, but I get the feeling, you know, it might be semi-easy to find a GameCube online with those games, but I wonder if they'd be like ridiculously expensive. I just don't know. That's great, though. Um, that's great, because uh, there's actually um, a couple... Like, I don't know if you ever played the Paper Mario games. Oh, gosh. Um, on GameCube, they were so fucking fun. Um, but uh, 
I actually have a GameCube, but I like I can't get it to work. Um, I need to look it up and see if I can't fix it. Mm. I wonder if it just needs to be taken apart or if it's got something something else going on with it. Yeah, there might be just something I can need to you know move around or you know tie in a screw or something, but I don't know. Right. Oh, see, that's that's awesome though that you still have one. I, I really want to pick one up because I. I remember playing Rogue uh, Leader or Rogue Squadron 2 Rogue Leader like crazy on that. Like it was just all I played and I'd love to go back and play it. And then I only got to play Rebel Strike, which was Rogue Squadron 3 a few times. And then there's just like other games that came out for it that were pretty unique that were really good. But I, you know, I never really got a chance to play. Like I'd love to go back and play the first Pikmin. (laughs) It seems like that'd be a lot of fun. But um yeah. I never tried that, but yeah, like, um, I mean, if that Dolphin emulator or whatever it is, whichever one for the game keeps coming along, then, um, hell, you might be able to do it soon here. Yeah. Especially Pikmin just to me seems like it probably not the first like survival game, but one of those first like builder survival games where you have to like find stuff and, and keep your little Pikmin alive. I, I really enjoyed the GameCube. I remember when it first came out, seeing the graphics on just being like, oh my gosh, like it's so beautiful. You know, and now it's, it's two generations three generations back so three three just, back for me i just picked it up so i could play the uh the remake of uh, resident evil one yeah i don't blame you for that it's a good reason to pick it up uh i was challenged by you to play bloodborne and i started it pretty much after the podcast last week uh i think the next day and it's been an experience so far been fun i decided to do a a skill build and you help kind of guide me over to the uh what is it the stabby saw i don't know its name the uh, the saw cleaver the saw cleaver that's right or spear cleaver yeah whatever it is yeah yeah the spear cleaver and that's been a lot of fun and it was a lot of fun exploring some of the earlier areas and seeing stuff that i hadn't really like looked at in depth you know, old yarnum and uh Central Yarnum and, and some of the parts of the cathedral area and Upper Yarnum, like it, very awesome, beautiful areas. And just kind of like sitting here thinking about some of it, you know, the, the beginning, not so bad. You know, some of the mobs, like once you understand what they do, it's pretty not easy, but like you, you know what you have to do to be successful. And if you don't execute, then you're going to fall apart just like anything else in a Souls game. Uh, the bosses just one by one by how I fought them. Cleric Beast wasn't too difficult after I got the saw, but it was kind of funny, like having that cane to begin with. And like the first couple times I tried to attack it, just you know, not really doing any damage. And then the second time I was kind of dancing around him because the way he attacks is, you know, pretty. I don't know. You can still get caught by no means is he easy, but you can still get caught. Um, but kind of just like dancing around him in circles kind of thought the same of uh, father gasconi too but he's tough and i was really because i'm doing a skill build i'm really trying hard to like learn how to parry i think i got him like once maybe twice and then more times than that i just didn't execute on the viscerals but he's probably one of my favorite fights like the lore behind him and you know the way he transforms like such a good fight some of the other fights that i've experienced so far um See, Viker Amelia, that was easy. Like, that was kind of a, I don't know, that was not a garbage tier fight, but it wasn't difficult by any stretch. The The Blood Beast was easy. And I could see the Blood Beast being, uh, or the Blood Star Beast being 
easy once you know the movements, like just kind of hang into the left of them. But I had a summon uh, with me, whatever it is, the NPC. And that wasn't, you know, it wasn't too bad. Uh, a little bit of fire paper and lit his ass up. I didn't like, what is it? What is the electric beast called? Something Pearl, Paul. Dark beast Pearl. Yeah. Dark beast Pearl. That, you were there for that. You were listening for that. That was, that was a pain in the ass fight until I kind of figured out like, okay, once you break the legs, you can hit the head enough to discharge it. And I got lucky and it actually ran off into a corner. And I was able to kind of just keep hitting him and not let him get out of the corner, which was nice. That kind of saved me some time because I did it a few times. Fuck. I just felt like I wasn't figuring it out. And his movements were all jerky and I was getting caught in his AOE. Just not very fun. Yeah. He's one of those fights that I, I honestly don't really know much of his moveset. Mm -hmm. Um because I, I just got into the point where I walk in and he dies in like one set, basically. Like he can move <laughs> and I, because I'm constantly stunning him. Right. With what build? Uh, it's with an arcane build. He just oh, okay. he, like gets destroyed. Yeah. 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 He he was probably the first frustrating boss I ran into. Gascony was like it took me a little bit because I had to remember his movements because the as I've only gone as far as the, the Bloodstar Beast when I played before. So this is really the furthest I've been. And I've been kind of taking it in like I've like making the character walk everywhere, mostly because I want to be, you know, silent. <laughs> I don't want the enemies to hear me and then I die and I get frustrated. So I kind of try to move slowly unless I know the area pretty well. Then, I'll you know, if it's a run back from a boss, whatever the case may be. Um, but I, I really like taking in the cathedral wards just like the you know that victorian style art of the city it's like so beautiful and i think i enjoy it a little bit more than i enjoy like a norlando like i really like a norlando and i really really like irithil and dark souls 3 but the bloodborne architecture is just on another level and you spend so much of the time in the city or parts of the city like the forests and the swamps that are like connected directly to the city in such weird ways i know that's kind of a hallmark of the souls games like in dark souls one that's a big deal where everything is supposed to feel kind of interconnected but in bloodborne to me it's on another level it's so easy to get lost too just like with all the ways things interconnect but you know how the swamps and and the the lost uh, forest or whatever it was called like interconnect to the city is just absolutely outstanding i love that um it also makes it easier to get places instead of just, you know, teleporting everywhere. Um, some of the other bosses I did, I did the witch or the, the witches. That was, I think it took me two or three tries to do that. That was easy after I figured out you don't need to kill the ads. Um, one of my favorites, and I kind of like council or duo fights, depending on, you know, what their, um, what their mechanics are. And the, the shadows or shadow of Yarnum, like that fight was, it was annoying at first. And then it was kind of fun because you figure out like, okay, like which one should I take on first? Like I'll do this one first. I'll do the caster first. And then I'll do the guy who's like quick next. And then like the slow one I'll, I'll do last because he'll probably be the easiest to maneuver. But I liked that as you killed them, they gain new abilities. Like they had snakes or something pop out of their faces after you get close to killing one. Then you kill the second one, and the third one's like sword is on fire permanently, and he's doing, you know, slightly faster attacks and all this. I just really, really enjoyed that. 
Rom, who I killed this morning, was more of a pain in the ass. But I, you know, it's one of those things where you can do a strategy where you just like try to rush it and you try to push a boss into different phases and take it out. So the, you know, extracurriculars around it don't affect you. And I was trying to do that and I just couldn't make it work. So the time I actually killed Rom, I just kind of stopped, slowed down, and killed all the spiders in the first phase and tried to fuck her up as badly as I could in the first phase. Second phase would hit. Do the same thing, hit the spiders, and try to avoid... I was having a lot of trouble with that, like, artillery AoE, like the, the Seeker Comets or whatever she shot at you. And then I just kind of repeated the same thing, and then I got her. Like, well, it's not bad, it's just it's slow. Like, you have to be very deliberate with what you're doing, and you have to be paying attention to what the boss is doing, otherwise... It, you know, it, you're not going to succeed. And that's every boss in any kind of Soulsborne game. But this one especially, it was just annoying and frustrating. And that's kind of brought me up to where I am now. I can't think of who... Have I fought anybody else? I'm sure I have. I'm just not remembering who it is. But I'm in the... Uh, Yaragul? Is that what the village is called again? Yeah, Yaragul, Unseen Village or whatever. Yeah, yeah the Yaragul Village. I'm trying to think, did I kill anybody else or was it after Rom? No, it was after Rom. I, I got to the Yaragul Village and I've been exploring and I've gotten back down to the little chapel. Um, and I'm stuck on those three hunters and I rage quit earlier today because they were pissing me off. I've killed one, but I still got the other two to go. And I've got to find a way to get around them because, uh, you know, I, I could just go around them and not deal with them. But I want to kill them because, you know, they're in my way and they're annoying to me and they need to die. So I'm probably going to spend a good amount of time tomorrow trying to get around their ass. And then going forth to whoever the next boss is. But I feel like I'm getting closer to the end of the game. I still have the DLC to do, too. I tried to start it today and I just don't feel like... I'm strong enough for it yet, but maybe uh, I do have to do that as well. Overall, so far, I, I thought I would have had it beat by now, but I haven't really had a lot of time during the week to play with work and everything. But I've really enjoyed it. It f plays different than obviously Dark Souls 3 and 1. Uh, and those are really the only Souls games I have the most experience with. It's faster paced. I like the parry system. I'm not necessarily good at it, but I'm trying. I like the viscerals in the game. That's a lot of fun. I always have this thing when I play anything that has RPG elements to it where I wish I could try out like other specs and other things. Because as much as I like the skill build, I probably should have gone a strength build or something similar for my first playthrough because that's what I'm used to. And knowing that I'm probably not going to necessarily visceral things very often on my first playthrough because I have to like constantly practice it to get better at it like maybe strength would have been more suitable but it doesn't mean I'm not having fun with the build I have now and I probably will play it again either in a new game plus like a lot more slowly than I'm playing it now or make a new character and try something else for sure I think um, at least for like a starter um someone who's first playing it through skills probably the better option to go with um, because strength relies, the strength-based weapons rely a lot on um, hyper-armor, and that whole thing is after a certain a certain set of frames in your animation, you gain um, what's called hyper-armor, and uh, enemy attacks and your attacks, um, like, deal, let's say, X 
amount of stagger. And normally, you know, like pretty much anything hits you and you get staggered. Right. Like, but when you have hyper armor, um, there's like a buffer and they have to exceed that buffer. The, their attacks have to exceed that buffer in order for you to stagger. So the whole idea is that you trade with enemies. So like as they go to hit you, you do your attack. And while you're in that hyper armor frames, they hit you. You don't give a shit. You keep your doing your attack and then you, you heal yourself through, you know, with the whole recovery system. Right. Um, and, and like, and that's the idea with strength based weapons. Uh, it takes a little getting used to. So I think for most people, um, doing skill is probably the better way. Um, but then once you get a little more experience, you can go into strength. But um, in my opinion, the way to play the game is through arcane. That's like the funnest way to play, in my opinion. There might be a way I have to try it too. I mean, that's one of the things I was getting into in my uh, newer Dark Souls playthroughs was like trying to do pyromancy or trying to do, uh, what is the other one? Pyromancy. There's pyromancy, there's um, miracles, and then there's, what's the other one? Uh, sorceries. Sorceries. So that's something I, I want to go back and do in those games, but it's something I uh, would like to try in Bloodborne, just based off what I've seen, like you be able to do. It could be a lot of fun. Well, yeah, it could be, um, you know, take a break from what you're doing right now and go back through and, uh, like, play an arcane. Mm-hmm. And then I can help you through it, and then you may find that funner. Um, especially when it gets to those hunters, you'll laugh how easy it is to kill them once you get a certain item. Oh, yeah. Just way different, like, when you go through it. Oh, yeah. Like, everything's, like, like the Dark Beast Parl will be killed immediately. The Bloodstart Beast, no issue. I mean, even easier than what you're having. Oh, okay. Um, Rom can probably be murdered before she even has a chance to teleport away. Um, it, it's really fucking strong. That's good. I mean, I know you and I had talked about it before, but I wasn't really, you know, wasn't sure about it. And I, I never go like casters my first go around on these games because I'm just kind of unsure, you know, what exactly it is I need to do to make them successful. I think it's good to like go through the game like once and just kind of see like, okay, now I've seen everything. Now I can try to screw with it. But it's a lot harder to do that in the Souls games, I feel like, because they're uh, they're very unforgiving and it's easy to just kind of want to set it aside and be like, yeah, you know what? Fuck this. <laughs> You know, or I'm doing everything wrong and I don't know what I'm doing. I get that a lot when I play these games. It's like, fuck, do I even know what I'm doing at this point? So, I don't know. Overall, though, I mean, just based off the... Like, there's something about these games that keeps drawing people back. And I think it's that, you know, that you want to succeed so badly. Like, because nothing is given to you. Like, that's how I feel about it. You know, when I first played Dark Souls 3, my biggest hang-up was on... I want to say, well, I know it was Nameless King for sure. I got hung up in a few other spots. Dancer was a hang up for a little bit. Pontiff wasn't super bad. He was a fun fight. He took me a little bit. Um, Aldrich was bad. Aldrich took me a little bit because of those fucking like star rain of fire arrows he'd do. But it was King, Nameless King. It was probably the hardest fight. Like, I think I died to him more than I died to any boss in that game because, you know, you're fighting the boss, you're fighting the camera, you're fighting all these other things. But it was so worth it when I killed him. Like, I could have stopped playing the game right there because that was like, okay, <laughs> excellent. I, you know, I beat the game. <laughs> right. 
But even when I was upset and like wanted to quit and put the thing aside, it's like, yeah, I, you know, I wanted to come back and do it again. That's how I feel about Bloodborne because there's no, especially the, your first go around, there's no better thrill than like conquering something like that. Like there's, that's something that a lot of games just don't give you. A lot of games will give you a good story. Like, and I equate it to beating the suicide mission in Mass Effect 2 the first time where there were no guides and nobody told you like how you could get everyone through, but you did know that you could get everyone through. And when I did, I felt super successful because like I made like that was me making the right choices based off how well like I know these side characters in my story. Like this person's going to lead, this person's going to go through the tunnels, this person's going to do this. And we all got out and like, you know, now there's a guide for min maxing everything. And in Dark Souls, it almost doesn't matter. Like, yeah, there might be a guide for like, hey, this is how you beat Rom really fast. But just because there's a guide, you still have to go do it. In other games, it like, makes things. Yeah, it's execution. In other games, like you go read a guide, it's like, okay, I got to run over here, get this, get this, get this. And it's like busy work and it makes whatever you're doing easier, but you probably didn't need to do it to be successful. In Dark Souls, it is the execution, like you say. And when you get the ex- that execution out of the way, it is so like just an amazing feeling that can't be replicated. And like you don't get it when you play the game again unless you're doing it with a different build but even then like it's something you haven't seen before you know where whereas when it's something you've seen before it's like okay it's like you know me fighting and beating vort in dark souls 3 will never be the same because you know i just know how to hit him in his ass but before it's like oh god do i stand in front of him what do i do like how do how do i do this and you know. like then there's a, like a, to me there's like another stage after that as it goes from you know, conquering, uh, like a challenge. And that after that point, it's like mastering it. And so, um, as I played Bloodboard a ridiculous amount, um, but there are some fights where I have, uh, I know people have issues with, and so I win and I was, you know, helping them and I've gone, well, I, I'm probably real rusty now. I haven't played Bloodboard in a while, but, uh, I, I was so good at those fights that um it was kind of like a like the older attacks the animations the the time it would take for the attack to actually land and all that was like in my head and so i could easily do those fights right like even, even though it was like you know um it would the boss would have you know the extra health from having me there or even having other summons there um I would still be able to solo the boss like no problem <laughs> and i'd be fighting it on builds where like i would be taking way more damage because of um using the whole um beast uh, mechanic and all that right um but I, I would just i it was just it's been so or like it just i knew what i needed to do and like it was kind of like i attributed somewhat to wow where you know you've been doing this one fight you know over and over again and you kind of just know by timing like, okay, now, you know, he's going to do this, now this, and, you know, you don't even have to watch meters or obviously, you know, Bloodborne, you don't have anything like that. But, um, like, I don't even need sound cues or anything. <laughs> it's just like, okay, I know what he's doing now. Okay, now I know what he's doing. And it's, it, it, at that point, and once you get to that stage, it's even funner, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I, I can definitely see that. We get that way, like you said, and wow after a certain amount of time where it's like, you don't even really need like deadly boss mods or anything like that. You just know exactly what it is you need to do to be able to be successful. And so it's mastery, like you said, and it's good that 
you can find fun in that because for me it's like i want to kill them and get it done and get it over with and i don't know if i ever want to do it again like of course i'm going to do it again but it's like man i don't know if i really positively like want to go do it again because it's just like some of the fights i've done are so goddamn frustrating so i don't know but that the game overall is fun and then i'm looking forward to after i beat it playing and finishing sekiro and then finally moving on to elden ring we'll be on to elden ring when you know it's no longer relevant but yeah i hope it freaking gets fixed here soon yeah it doesn't sound like play it. yeah it doesn't sound like the the issues are super ridiculous and i'm guessing that by the time we get to play it that it'll be you know ready to go and some of the odd I guess lag issues they've been having with bigger enemies will, will be a little bit easier, but it, oh, is it bigger enemies that are causing the issues? I, I think so. I want to say that's that's it. Bigger fights, things like that, are causing some like frame rate drops. But the game is still reviewed like super positively, which is amazing for a game that you know I, apparently is having issues. But I'm getting the feeling that these issues may not be as big as you know they everybody was making them out to be because people were still having a lot of fun with it and enjoying it. So. That's good. I mean, excuse me. I mean, for a game to be able to get a positive rating these days and everybody will like review bomb anything for like a texture being off. That says a lot. So I can't wait to play that. I was looking at some of the classes the other day and I'm just like, oh, wow. Like they seem like so much more the way you select them, the way they look seems a lot more advanced than like, you know, Dark Souls so or like any of the other Soulsborne games. So. I'm, it's cool. I'm looking forward to that. But I've, I've been having fun with Bloodborne. I've been having fun with the story. The story's weird. Um, I'm still not really sure what to make of it. It seems like a lot of people were drinking blood and started turning into monsters. And, you know, there was other people who wanted to elevate to be like old gods or be akin to old gods, which was interesting to me. And like the churches and all that, you think of church, you have a specific idea about it until you look at some of the statues surrounding the church like oh like once you progress like early stages of the game you don't really see any of that like you just think like oh it's a you know like an old english city and it's fucked up and there's beasts and everything right and then as you progress some of the statues start to morph from people to like these weird abominations you're like what is going on here like what happened in this world so i'm excited to find more yeah because well, the trailers and everything when it was first coming out, it just looked like a a typical, you know, Victorian Gothic horror. Um, and you know, great, you know, that's a, that's a nice setting. Um, I think we're probably due for another good, maybe like survival horror um, or something in that vein. Um, I know Resident Evil Seven had it somewhat, but. Um, I'm talking something more classic, but um, anyways, uh, so it has that, that great setting. And then at first you're again, you're just dealing with, you know, classic Gothic horror. So you have, you have your werewolves and then you got some, some vampire stuff going on and you know, undead and you're like, okay. And then all of a sudden, or like you're saying, it's like, okay, it kind of creeps in a little bit and you're like, uh, not sure about that. And then you start seeing little hints here and there and you're like that, what? And then it, it completely changes at, at, at a certain point. Um, and now you're no longer in gothic horror, you're now in cosmic horror. And to me, as a fan of, um, you know, Lovecraft and everything, and that just boosted the game up 
for me at that point. Right. Absolutely. I can see that too. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I've been enjoying that. I've been enjoying the, the story to it and I'm looking forward to seeing a little bit more of it. So I, I think it, uh, yeah, I'm looking uh, forward to, uh, when you finally get towards, uh, more towards the end game, you start seeing more about the lore, um, what you're able to make of it. And then, uh, having a discussion on what may or may not have happened right. throughout everything. Yeah. Cause I'm still kind of in the dark, so to speak with everything. I mean like now after killing Rom, you see all these like amygdala creatures everywhere. And I'm just like, what, what the fuck, what has happened here? They've been here the whole time. Like, are they just like chilling here whenever there's not a night where people are hunting and people aren't turned? Like, you know, I, it's crazy to me, but uh, hopefully when I get some, uh, some more info we can have a, a longer form discussion on that because it's definitely an interesting world but it, that's the thing about these games that these games are really show don't tell so there's a lot where you know i've missed out on a bunch of stuff in dark souls 3 for sure but you know i, I hadn't played one um so i didn't really have a solid foundational background but there's still so much that you miss even when you play those games even reading all the, like the lores and reading like the the items there's still a lot that you miss so but that's what makes it another piece of it that makes it endearing it's like that difficulty of trying to figure out the story as well it's like you have to play the game and you have to play the game well to to figure that out so it's good but enough about that let's move on to the next segment we're going to talk about I don't know if it's our favorite game, but I definitely know that it's uh, a game these days is World of Warcraft. And specifically, I kind of want to talk about just the overall news of it. Uh, 9.2 came out a few weeks ago, and, and you know, neither you or I are playing the game uh, anymore. But it sounds like it it's not been great for the people who are still playing it. It sounds like it's kind of been a little bit of an abject failure. I was reading some stuff about the raid and the way the raid ends and the way the raid ends is super unsatisfying and it kind of makes the whole buildup of the main villain sort of seem like, uh, oh, there's another big existential threat. And I was doing this to try to, you know, save everybody from, you know, from having to deal with it or whatever the hell the reasoning is. It's like, oh, so like what we dealt with with Sargeras and Legion at the end of, at the end of Legion. Yeah, that's exactly what I I, uh, I didn't experience the end of Legion. Well, no, I did, but anyway, um, no, did I? I don't remember. Whatever. Um, but I, as soon as I saw that, I like I immediately thought, oh, so now this is just like, what are you really just doing, Sargeras two point Yeah, and, it's and, like and two know, expansions. It's, yeah, it's like um um yeah, I'm doing this for for all the um I'm evil, but like for all the right reasons yeah. or something like that. It's it's stupid, and I don't I don't understand, I don't understand the mindset that comes along with that. Like every interview I've heard with like their lead writers and all that, they make it sound like, you know, one of the trailers for nine point two said that this is the end of a long book we've been working on for over twenty years, and I'm like with the jailer, with like all the shit you guys have retconned about Arthas and the Lich King and all. It's like oh, like, this is not what drew people in originally. And I know that they're trying to change the narrative around, you know, what world of Warcraft is and what blizzard is and, and all that because of the things that have happened in the last 
year and a half, but my God, man, like it's just killing the story. Like the, it, when your game is so bad that people who played it forever think the story is the only thing you have left and you ruin the story. Like that's when I kind of, I mean, it, it, there were two big reasons why I stopped playing and really didn't play much into 9.1. And that was, I was tired of the systems, overlaying the systems, overlaying the systems. Like I, I wanted to, like when I joined you in Panda, it was as simple as level up a character, do dungeons and then do raids to get gear, do the timeless aisle to get gear and play the game. Like, oh yeah, by the way, there's this legendary cloak. It's a long chain of quests. You have to do it if you want to get the cloak. Okay. And that's it. And if I wanted to level an alt to gear an alt, I could go do that. If I felt like doing the Timeless Isle again, if I had fun with that, or if I felt like I had fun doing dungeons. Wad was the same. People shit on Wad. Yeah, it was incomplete. I felt like it could have been one of the better expansions if they had followed through and completed it, given people a little bit more to do. But I like it, and it's one of my favorites because I like the setting. I know that probably comes across as like, how can Wad be one of your favorites? It's subjectively before Shadowlands, the worst expansion. Yeah, because of the cut content, because they didn't give people shit to do. Should have given people more shit to do. But everything around that, the raids, the dungeons, all that stuff was perfect. There just wasn't anything to do that surrounded that that made people bored and want to quit. There's a lot of people who raid logged and, you know, there's no real one thing you can point to in that expansion. Say, man, that was, you know, a whole hell of a lot of fun. That wasn't Blackrock Foundry or, you know, wasn't any of the dungeons. So, but I would take that expansion where there was nothing to do outside of raiding or dungeons a thousand times over Shadowlands where it's like, here's your covenant, here's your uh, soul binds, here's, you know, all this other shit, like go farm this so you can get the things to put in your soul bind tree to level them up. Oh, by the way, the new raid's out, so go farm this to get the new soul binds to fill up in there. Don't forget to get your renown every week. Don't forget to do Katorgast every week. Don't forget to do this. Don't forget to do that. It's just like, I don't want to fucking do that anymore. I don't want to do that on top of world class because it feels like a second job. And I don't want to do it in a game where it feels like every expansion, the, the classes get progressively weaker. They get weaker when you go from one expansion to the next and they feel weaker when you get to max level and then you're going out and you're killing like regular mobs and you feel weak because you haven't got any gear yet. And then, yeah, of course that gets easier as you go on, you know, especially if you get a little bit of raid gear and all that, but. I don't know. When you feel like you have to do all these things just to get your character to a base level where you can successfully do Mythic Plus and, and raids, like I understand that if the content is fun. But the content that they put in their games with the systems they put in their games is not fun. Um, and it sounds like in 9.2 they've done the same thing. And to be honest, I don't really know what the systems are. I know that you have to do a few things to you know, be able to make your character able to raid uh, a little bit more successfully. I think you can still do Torghast. I don't know if that counts towards the legendaries. It sounds like there's still the legendary crafting, which is not, you know, this was a pain in the ass at the beginning of the expansion and was probably going to continue to be a pain in the ass until the end of the expansion. I just don't want to deal with shit like that anymore. I would prefer it to be closer to classic where it's like you go to a raid and you work towards your bis or you work towards your tier work towards that weapon that you really want and then to supplement yourself here are dungeons the dungeons will never provide better gear than any of the three i don't know maybe equivalent to normal but never better than heroic or mythic raid gear and that will help you when you go in and do the raid 
I, I don't know. It, it feels like they just try to do too much and they try to do too much with everything they have. And then by doing too much with everything that they've laid out, they do not enough for the things that are really important to people who play. I, I don't know how you feel about that. Well, I mean, ever since it was in a little bit of wad, um, but then it got, you know, progressively worse in the following expansions, just kind of like the mobile game mentality where we just got to throw shit at you that basically you absolutely need to log on and, uh, and do it. Cause if you don't, then you're going to fall behind. Yeah, and you're not going to be as optimal. It's it's like that shit just pisses me off. So it's like, nope, you know, I don't want to do that. Um, I remember I had spoken to you. It's like when it comes to catch up mechanics, um, I feel like something that would be good would be so you introduce you know the, the new raid, let it go on for a little bit, and then uh, like let's say midway through, you introduce a new dungeon. And it's a kind of like a mega dungeon. Um, and that has gear that's equivalent to, let's say, heroic gear of the previous raid tier. Um, and so it basically, something that, that's, it's, it's effectively a catch up, right? Right. So you, and it, it ties into the current raid story and whatever's going on. Maybe, maybe you know something a little else, right? Let's say, okay, while this is going on, um, some kobolds decide to steal everyone's candles, and you got to go take them from them. It's like, like a stupid major dungeon. Um, you can you know make it wacky, whatever the hell you want to do. It's like, but it's a catch up mechanic, and so it, it helps. And I feel like that would be good instead of introducing you know your your systems on systems and then later on your catch a mechanic is then to basically remove um some of the systems so that you can just like plow through it remember you know, when, remember when a catch-up like, mechanic was like a 10-man raid yeah well yeah exactly you, you either do a 10-man raid or like i, I, I personally I, I i know we spoke about this before but i i feel like bringing back like a like a five like a five man but make it difficult and make it long in a sense that, you know, it's, it's kind of like a mini raid. Um, and, or you can do, like you said, or you can do 10 men. I think a five man's better simply because it, it makes it easier for people to get gear that way. Um, but I, I think that's probably a better option than, or, you know, it's so like do something like the time of style. Like the time of was fun as shit. Well, I feel like they've um, tried to replicate that, but they've been unsuccessful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, like it's great. I mean, just don't, you know, don't fuck with those frogs. Mm-hmm. But, um, <laughs> you know, other than that, it's, it's fun shit. I agree. But, yeah. I, 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 I really hate what they're doing. Like I hate the whole mobile mentality where it's like, you gotta, we're gonna, um, you know, you have to, you, there's something you want, it's going to take you weeks upon weeks to get it. And that's not because you can't, you know, sit there and you have to like master something. You have to get better at your class or whatever the hell happens to be. It's, it's just that we're setting arbitrary limits to you on you and you have to wait this time in order to get it. And that needs to stop before I would ever, I think I would ever consider playing the, the damn game again. 
I agree. I, I just can't deal with the, like you said, the mobile game sort of mentality. That's the game is pretty much transformed into like the game wasn't a really a, a mobile game mentality. Originally, it was, you know, these are the things you got to do. And it takes a long time to get these reputations or to get this gear. And you may not get gear the first time you do this dungeon. Right. So you're going to do it and you're going to do it again. You're going to do it again until you get what you need. And then you can progress to something else. Um, and that's not really there. And, you know, again, they had this such as this rich environment where it just would make sense to release another dungeon. Here's your cap catch up dungeon. Do this instead. Like give us something in the old world, like revamp razor friend call or RFD or add another Scarlet monastery dungeon because people like that or add another wing of Stratholme. Add something like that. To me, it seems like they have, a lot of wins if they were to just lay it out and say, hey, let's go back to the old world. Let's go back to like, you know, classic took off so much. Let's go back and, and do something there and you know have some fun there. Bring some dragons back or bring some undead back. And instead, they've kind of, in a way, used up a bunch of their lore. It's funny. I was going through some of the, the reddits today. And one of the memes that's going around is that, well, they're just going to retcon everything because they're just going to say everybody is a uh, dreadlord. Everybody's a dreadlord. Like, oh, man, it's too bad that we killed Zovalin, but, you know, he was a Dreadlord, so we don't, you know, it, it didn't actually count. Or, you know, Sargeras and everything that we dealt with in the past is a Dreadlord. Arthas, like, no, that wasn't Arthas. That was a Dreadlord pretending to be Arthas. It's like, fuck. Like, I mean, do we have to go that far to be able to save the game and save the game's lore? You know? I but, still think, like, I, 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 if I recall telling you, it's like they should just, they should have just made it so that he won and he destroys everything but um the dragons send you to like an alternate kind of like wad um an alternate version of azeroth and start you start again. from the beginning yeah like everything starts from like like brand new lore everything starts from the beginning the horde and the alliance are just dropped into like horrible places and you got to like work your way through it and then you establish your capital city and then you move on from there. Yeah. One of the things people were saying was that, you know, Shadowlands could just be a dream. Legitimately, this is a legitimate thought people thought where, you know, the end boss of uh, Battle for Azeroth was Nazoth and the fight was kind of underwhelming and the whole like deal with him was pretty underwhelming. So the thought was that, well, maybe he actually killed us. Or, like, we're entranced by him, and then we go through the whole Shadowlands, and at the end of it, we wake up and we realize that we've just been his thrall for, like, this entire timeline, and we have to, you know, kill him, and that would set up, like, a Void Lord's expansion or something. But, I don't know. I, I At this point, I think the writing team is too proud to admit that, like, oh, we screwed up and we've done something that people don't like and you know we've taken Sylvanas who was a fan favorite for a long time and we fucked her character like royally to where nobody likes her anymore even the fans of her are just kind of like yeah this is uh this doesn't work this is annoying and now she's good again and you know there's some reports that came out that the whole BFA thing was one of the guys who got ousted his idea Alex Afrasiabi uh and the writing team apparently has just been trying to deal with that and like work their way out of it over the course of the last expansion in this one, which I, 
I can understand part of that part of like a director or like a lead narrative director railroading in an idea that they want to do. I don't understand continuing on with that story past a patch or two. Just switch it around or find a way you can find a way to make it make sense without like having your character be like a mustache twirling villain. Like you can go through and you can add lore to make it seem like it's a lot more complicated than, you know, you were initially led to believe because then at least in in that way, you're trying to salvage a bad decision instead of just like, well, you might as well just steamroll it. Sylvanas is a must uh, mustache twisting villain now, and she's going to be, you know, just evil. And she's going to try to kill not just the Alliance, but the Horde, too. It's like, oh, God, stop. You know, it, <laughs> I, I don't know. Did you watch the trailer for BFA, like the cinematic trailer? Um, is that the one where, like, they're fighting and then she shouts, like, for the Horde or whatever? Yeah, that is probably one of my favorite. I mean, that is probably number two behind the the wad cinematic for me because i just thought like oh shit she's gonna step away from being like just this like shady leader of the forsaken and she's actually going to like lead the horde and like that whole scene where she shouts that like sour fangs looking up and like all the other horde soldiers are looking up it's like oh shit like we have a war chief like and she's our war chief and i was like this is gonna be fucking great like she's a strong character like where are we gonna go from here and that's not what fucking happened at all I hate it when like you look at a trailer like that and it like tells you like how things are probably going to be. And then you get into the game and you realize like, oh, that's this is not what that is at all. This is like some stupid internal strife story where fucking Sourfang and Sylvanas are fighting. And it's, uh, it made me so sad because watching that trailer, I'm like, oh, fuck, they're going to like reignite the faction war. We're going to fight all over Azeroth and, you know, we're going to recruit some new allies and shit. And they just went so far in the other direction where it's, you know, disappointing, like super disappointing. And that makes me sad. Um, And I don't know how they're going to salvage it. So one of the other things I wanted to talk about is that on April 19th, they're going to announce the next expansion. So next month, a little over a month from now, they're going to announce the next expansion. And I... I'm not all that excited. Like, I don't really care. That's sad because I was super excited to get out of BFA and find out what Shadowlands would be. And I'll say this for Blizzard, their art team, and I don't think anybody disagrees, but their art team and their music team has always been spectacular. Like going through the Shadowlands for the first time was beautiful, but going through all the zones in BFA was beautiful. Listening to the music was great, but that's not their problem. It's what you can do in those worlds. I, uh, it's great that they're going to have another expansion, but with this team that's put together what we've got the last two expansions over six years, I'm not super excited to see what they do in another expansion. I feel like, you know, it's funny because one of the things where uh, some streamers and YouTubers were saying is like they can't have two bad expansions in a row. If they have two bad expansions in a row, it will kill WoW. Well, they've had two fucking bad expansions in a row, and I can't imagine their sub numbers are high. You know, they always peak during patches, and they always peak during expansions. Whatever they decide to show on April 19th, it has to be good. And, you know, every time they show something, it builds hype. When they showed the Shadowlands uh, cinematic, I remember people were kind of like, oh, fuck, Sylvanas is finally going to be like the Lich King. But that would be cool. And then she you know, does cinematic where she splits it, and everybody's like, whoa, what the fuck's this about? And nobody liked that she starched uh, Bolvar. You know, 
lot of people didn't like that, but you know, they got over it when they saw the rest of the cinematic, I think. But I, I don't know. I'm not super excited. Like, and I don't know where they're going to go. Like we've had all this like phantasmal cosmic shit for so long that I'm just kind of like, can we do something like a little less, you know, like wad I liked because I didn't really like the alternate universe. Like, Maybe it would have been better if we could just go back in time, even though I know that would screw with stuff. But the concept was fine. Like, I could suspend my disbelief. I enjoyed that. Legion was good because Legion was technically a part, you know, the, the Broken Isles. So, okay, it's good. It's on Azeroth and until later in the expansion. I, you know, BFA and some of the stuff it did and Shadowlands, just like, I, we're going to the land where we die? We're, we're going to the place where people get judged and sent a different route. Like, to me, that's just like, oh, no, hard stop. No. No. Like, what happened to when fucking people die in World of Warcraft? They're dead or they go to, like, the Loa or they, you know, go wherever they go, right? Like, druids and shit go to the Dream and, you know, warriors are just dead and... And then how's that work with like the Forsaken and shit like that? Like it just doesn't. Yeah, exactly. There's so many holes that have been opened up. So I am curious to see what they announce. I'm curious to see the trailer. I have absolutely no fucking idea where they can go from here. That makes sense. Um, Well, um, your whole idea, you said earlier, like that we've both seen the or read the rumors that they're planning on doing kind of a another overhaul of Azeroth. Um, and that's what the next expansion will be, evolving the the Black Dragon flight, like uh, trying to... Well, the, all the dragons trying to regain their power, I think, is what the rumor was, along with apparently Azeroth, like, becoming a dragon, too. Somehow, well, who the hell knows at this point? Yeah, and then like obviously that would that would cause a whole like restructuring of the planet and all that shit, like trying to heal everything that happened. Um, and so like that is an opportunity if they stop being stupid and you know trying to say that they have you know oh this is a twenty year like story on you know unfurling and all that. It's like no, you guys are just being dumb. Um, so they have the opportunity to restructure sh- stuff and then, uh, have basically, you know, new lore to work off with. Um, but I, I don't have any confidence either given their current track record. Um, I'm sure there's still going to be the whole mobile game, uh, mentality, because, you know, they feel like they need to keep people playing every single night when that's just terrible for the players, right? Because especially like me and you, it's like we come home uh, after eight hours plus, right? Because we have to fucking, we have our commute we need to do and all that shit. And, you know, I don't want to come home and then have to sit there and fucking, you know, not only do like, let's say my dailies, it's like, but then, oh, you gotta, you know, gotta go here and do this, and you gotta go here and do this, and you gotta make sure you click on all these buttons, right, to send your guys out to do whatever, and you know, maybe a little farm thing. Even though I actually like the farm in Panda, but anyways, it's like, 
such stupid shit. And yeah, like unless they, unless they say like they're that basically they're redoing, they're they're starting from scratch in a sense. They they take this expansion as an opportunity to start from scratch. Then um, it's pretty much dead in the water, in my opinion. For me, uh, at the you know obviously at the very least. Um, but I, I don't think, you know, just because the black dragon flight might become a playable race that that's gonna, you know, excite the community. Like you're gonna have to do something pretty big, um, in regards to lore and then not only, and then for gameplay to really bring a lot of people on again. I agree. Well, I mean, obviously, I mean, there's going to be a lot of hardcore people that'll come on and play anyways. Right. Um, because they, they still have that that small glimmer of hope, I guess. Um, but we'll have to see what happens. I mean, that that is, an, I mean, to me, that's a this is a perfect opportunity. It's like just don't be stupid. Um, start fresh. Just like okay, Azeroth is now like a dragon for some reason, and you're helping her grow, and that's also affecting the land. You know, so like various part, portions of, of Azeroth are now changing. Um, you can bring back uh, a lot of the old stuff. So bring uh, uh, bring back, you know, RFK, RFD. Um, have like shit, even have the Plague Lands start healing. And, you know, there's like more shit happening there. And, you know, um, I think all the... Uh, all the bugs, uh, the ones in Silithus are all dead, right? Because of Sarge's uh, sword. Um, but just bring back stuff. Like, like shit, have fucking kobolds. <laughs> you know, like, like, like mass something. people or something. Yeah, something. Like, so it's, uh, don't do a whole, I mean, obviously, you know, I guess like towards the end, you can have a hint of something like big coming. But it should just be an expansion of starting fresh and then move on from there. But I mean, given their track record, I'm sure they'll have something stupid happen. Um, or more, you know, systems on systems. Yeah. I, well, I a hundred percent agree with you. I just don't know how they're going to be able to start fresh with what they have and then still make the game entertaining. Like it just needs a total overhaul. Or it needs to start again, but I've kind of just lost faith in the company to be able to, to recreate the magic that they used to have. Like, It's sad because the game still plays amazing. When you sit down and you play the game, the feedback of playing a character still feels great. But they have so many problems with systems and class design and class balancing and story and just the general way that you play the game. That it makes the actual effort of sitting down and playing a character, which is just an, on its own, like take everything out and just, you know, bring back collecting bear asses, fun to play. Because the way it feels and the way your class plays is, is fun for the most part. But everything that surrounds that is what they need to rebuild. Now, if you're building a game and you want to fix it, I think the big thing you need to look at is, is it fun to play just from a base level? Is it fun to go collect 12 bear asses because it's fun to play? Yes. Okay. So let's go from there and try to fucking fix whatever problems we're dealing with that, uh, you know, the, everything that we've layered over this initial system that feels good to, to try to make the game better. 
Um, and then not be afraid to admit when they've made mistakes either. The whole community council thing they've done sounds like it's actually panning out. They have made changes based off of feedback from the community council, which is great. You know, everybody thought that was going to be a joke and they weren't going to listen to them and it was just a PR move. But it sounds like they've, you know, been actually listening to player feedback. So now we have to see with that in place and an expansion in mind what we're going to get from that and if it's going to be entertaining and if it's going to be maybe not necessarily a return to old form because I know companies never want to go back to what they did because, oh, well, if we just continue to do what we used to do, we'd never, you know, grow and be more successful than we were, you know, then today. It's just like, oh, God. Like, yes, but you can still take the ideas of the things you've done to, to have some success. You know, and I, I feel like, well, I don't know. I feel like just they just don't do finding the stuff they're doing. And, yeah, they should. Know, like, they should, but they... Uh, I don't want to sound rude, but it almost feels like their heads are so far up their own ass of what they think is good versus what is actually good. Or maybe that it's that they think they know better than the player that they're going to do what they're going to do and they're going to say, well, they just don't understand how to have fun. And that seems like your first problem. Well, you know what I mean? Go ahead. Judging, judging by you know everything I've seen, that's exactly what they've been doing the past few extensions. Yeah, it's just, yeah, just we have our heads up our asses, and I mean, obviously, you know, we're not the ones, you know, the community's not the ones making the story up and all that. It's like still though, it's like how many disasters have we've had um, from other companies, and then you know, I mean, a good example was you know how Blizzard treated. Um, the Diablo 3 community at first, who everyone was saying, hey, this is kind of a bad idea, what you're doing. And then you had all those people saying, like, you know, how, like, you know, are you a developer? How do you, how do you know what's better than us? Yeah. And all that. And it's like, oh, come on, fuck you. Yeah. It's like, uh, so, and then, of course, you know, down the road, those people were fired and moved on to another project. Um, and the game obviously still suffered for it, but, you know, at least got a little better. Um, so, yeah, WoW needs a, a pretty big change. Yeah. And I can understand. Yeah. And I can understand people saying, like, you know, I, well, you're just an armchair game developer. And I was like, yeah, you know, I might be an armchair game developer, but I'm not an armchair video game player, and right now I'm not having fun. And when somebody is telling me, well, you're not doing it the right way to have fun, then I'm just kind of like, well... That's bullshit, and you immediately lose any credit with me if you tell me that I'm not having the fun in the way you prescribe for me to have fun. You make a game, and you make a game based off what you think is good or bad, and you develop that game, and you distribute it out to people. You do not get to decide whether or not I have fun with it. The, you, the, the time and space where you got to decide whether or not I would have fun with that game is when you were developing that game, when you were building that game, when you were playtesting and quality assurancing that game, and then after you released that game. And after that, it's in my hands, not yours. And that's where they're running into issues. They release a product and then they say, uh, people say, it's not good. It's not fun. And they don't take that feedback. They just say, well, you guys just don't understand. It's like, what do you mean we, we don't understand? Bad game, bad. Simple as that. Bad game, bad. And they don't seem to understand that. And I'm really hoping that there are people within Blizzard now, within 
some of their new hires that recognize that and maybe they're just fighting a losing battle against management or against people who say, hey, we need to do this and we need to make money this way. Because it feels like, I mean, in all honesty to me, you brought up the mobile game thing earlier. It feels like they're building a game to get people to play so people will constantly renew their subscription versus people playing and renewing their subscription because they were having so much fun, it was renewing and they didn't even think about it. It was no, renewing. That's exactly it. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't like, hey, we have this content release coming up to coincide with this, like, purchase six months and get a mount. Like, no, that never happened. It literally did not happen. So the only thing that was keeping players playing was their relationships with their friends and guildmates, the content they were clearing, and the con, excuse me, the content they were doing. Now it's not really the content. It's, Hey, here's this advertised content that's going to come out soon. You better re-up your subscription or, you know, here's these, you know, mounts you can get if you buy a six-month subscription. It's just anything to make more money. By the way, go do these, like, cell phone game-esque quests that take time and days and you have to constantly build up. So you're paying so you can continue to do that. But that's a whole different mindset from playing because you want to play, because you have stuff you have to do, because you have stuff that you want to do versus, like... Don't forget to do your chores today. It's like, I am not going to pay a company to do fucking chores that mean nothing in the long run that are not fun. Makes no sense. And it's a waste of my time. And it's, it devalues, you know, it it devalues what I appreciate about games. And it's insulting. It's insulting to me. And it's insulting to everybody who like is forced to play it. And some people don't think it's a bad thing. And I, I, you know, those people are entitled to their opinions, but you know, a game is good when all you want to do is play that game. And nothing else. And WoW has fallen so far. Like, I'm a huge World of Warcraft fan. I've been a huge World of Warcraft fan since I started playing. And now it's like, I I didn't think it would fall this far. Like, I've quit before. I quit in the middle of Lich King because I was getting bored. And I didn't come back to Cat. And I came back around the time we were playing Miss. And I played it pretty much off and on since then. But usually always having my subscription on. And now it's like, no, I'm not giving you... Even if I'm not playing it, I'm not giving you guys the fucking $15 a month. Because you're making trash. Like a lot of other people feel the same way. So. Uh, now that now that we've got that fucking ranted rave out of the way. <laughs> there's a couple other pieces of news from Blizzard. One is that it sounds like Wrath of the Lich King ha- is headed for their beta. Which is great. I'm sure. I mean, I don't know. It seems like BC kind of dropped off. It had an initial surge of players. People who came back to play BC, but it seems like really only the hardcore, the hardcores from Classic held on to play BC. I was kind of surprised by that. I thought it would pick up more people to play it, but I guess more people just really enjoyed playing regular old Classic and really wanted that idea of Classic Plus than playing BC. I tried it. I couldn't get into it like I could back in the day. Then I remembered all the reputation farming and all that. It's just like, yeah, I I just don't have time to do that. Like there's other games I want to play. I would love to go back and do it because I love the idea of it. But, you know, it's just not my thing. And I know you kind of felt the same way. Plus some of the decisions the company was making. Now, I get the feeling, though, that um, Lich King Classic will end up meeting a similar fate. Uh, but... I'm not entirely sure on that, but I, I just get the feeling that it'll be this, the exact same thing. I'm kind of thinking the same thing, too. 
I want to play Lich King Classic. I really do. But I feel like the last two times I told myself, well, I really want to play Classic. I really want to play Classic BC. I played for a bit. I got to max level and then I stopped. Because it's like, well, I don't really want to do the, uh, anything else at the top. I can't really sec uh, section out time for myself to go raid. I just don't have it in me anymore. Or I don't really have the time anymore. So it's going to be one of those things where it's like, yep, it was fun to play. Um, everybody's min-maxing. And if you don't min-max, you can't get into a guild, even though Max is easy. Old War is probably the hardest raid. Maybe Old War, then ICC. Um, then you have to deal with the whole trial of the Crusader shit, which is probably going to see an even bigger drop-off of players unless they make it short. Yeah, I don't know. I just... I. I want yeah, to. I want to so bad. I just don't see myself legitimately stopping and doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then to me, it's like I, again, I, you know, spend fucking 10, 11 hours of my day, you know, away from home and then to come home and then um, to do all the raiding and stuff again. Like, I'm not sure if I even have the, the wherewithal to do it. Um, but again, like, I, I don't know why, but I just have this feeling that it's going to fall off like pretty quickly, um, may have a, a small extended life beyond what BC had, but then it's going to fall same way. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I, honestly, it may fall even before that. I mean, I, I, I it. It will probably get a surge, like, you know, BC got a surge, but I just don't see it holding on to people. And when people find out that it's kind of a lot like what retail is today, just like that initial version, they may just fall off pretty quickly and be like, okay, we're ready for you guys to do Classic Plus now, because that's the game we actually want to play, not uh, you know, not this version. And, and you know... I mean, unless they really see the money in it, we're not going to get a Cataclysm Classic. There's not going to be a Mist Classic. No. Although I could see maybe a market for Mists over Cataclysm, and I know some people like Cata. I just, I don't see that happening. Now, wasn't um, Lich King the start of when they started doing, um, like, gear level or whatever? Eye level and also uh, the looking for group finder. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, like, I... <sighs> I, I know I didn't play it, but I remember always seeing shit. Um, people complaining. It's like, you know, when it's, you know, oh, you're looking for more for this raid. And it's like, but you need to have the side level and all that. And obviously, you know, that's a, like a decent gauge in, in some senses, but it like, it always put a bad taste in my mouth where it's like, oh, you know, a little bit of a, of elitist in that sense. You know what I mean? No, I agree. And, you know, one of the things that's interesting, too, is that for its time, it was ridiculously popular and it was good. But after that, it's what they iterated on that, you know, became such a problem for you know, the remainder of the game. Um, I just don't think it's going to... You know, BC didn't find the repeat success, right? So I don't think Lich King Classic will find repeat success like it did back in the day. Though... You know, I don't know. It, it, it is the expansion that was arguably the most popular in the game. That, But, you know, it not that in a vacuum. It was built off what had come before. 
and it also had the whole resolution of Arthas's story and all that. But it also led to the game that we have today, which is overly simplified in some parts and overly complicated in others. So, and just a mess. It just happened to be a very, very well-functioning mess <laughs> at that time. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, the the last two things to talk about with World of Warcraft before you know we get angry is that, uh, or I'm sorry, the last thing is the mobile game announcements. They're going to do some kind of mobile game thing, which we've talked about a little bit, that they're going to announce shortly, I don't know, a few days after they announce the uh, next expansion. And my guess is that it's just going to be an auto-battler, like a, uh, I don't know, like a Raid Shadow Legends. No, we're not sponsored by Raid, and probably wouldn't if they asked, um, even though I just kind of advertise them for free. Fuck. Um, <laughs> but my guess is going to be something like, gather Thrall, gather Arthas, gather all these people, and then fight against Undead, fight against Green Dragonflight, fight against Fell Orcs. You know, and then buy boxes so you can give them better gear and legendaries and stupid shit like that. That is my guess. Could be wrong. Could be something cool. Could be something fun. I don't have a lot of hope. Watch them tie it somehow into WoW itself. Fuck, I hope not. Like, if you, uh, it, it won't be anything major, like, but, um. If it's a pet, if you want, fine. If you want, if you want this new pet or if you want this mount, um. You have to play that game, and I and I, I bet you that'll be the case. If it's like a little battle pet, I'm fine with that. If it's a mount, it's like fucking really. I, you know, I put in this many hours to get this, you know, thrall humping Jaina upside down with Bane sticking his horns up both of their asses. Mount. Oh, well, I really want that. Or you know, you could just buy it in the store. Thanks, Blizzard. <laughs> so there's that so let, let's move on from that before we get any salt here because i don't want to hate the game i don't want to hate the people working there i just i want it to be better i think we both want it to be better i think we both want it to be fun because we spent a significant amount of our lives playing it and it would be great if it was fun to play again it would be great if the story was entertaining again it would be great if there wasn't just this such weird veneer of bullshit used to generate money surrounding the game so. all right our last topic today is soundtracks and games and this might get a little heady based off of uh you know the soundtracks we like but i wanted to talk about this because i think a good soundtrack in a game can really make or break a game and uh we shared some music with each other from games but i wanted to ask you mike or garthard let's use your real name who gives a fuck what are some of your favorite soundtracks in games, both classic that got you into games and modern. Well, most uh, most of my favorite soundtracks come from stuff I played when I was a kid, so, you know, mostly JRPGs and all that. Back when you know there was no voice acting, so um, music took a very uh, front center, I guess you could say. Um, aspect because you know that's what you had for you know telling the kind of you're know, setting the mood and all that um so i guess some of the biggest ones would be like the chrono cross soundtrack um final fantasy tactics final fantasy 7 um and then 
one big one for me would be Resident Evil 2. And then when it comes to modern, um, the I guess the the best example would be the uh, would be Doom 2016. Like that one, that soundtrack is absolutely fantastic. What do you think a soundtrack does for? I mean, you mentioned games without voice acting, but you know, I, can you think about any games you play? Like, if it didn't have the soundtrack, would obviously it would take away from it. But are there games that you don't think you'd be able to play? It didn't have the same set or didn't have the same soundtrack it has. Oh, like I, I guess the, the one that immediately comes to mind is Resident Evil 2. Like that soundtrack is absolutely perfect. Um, and of course, you know, the, the save room theme is like, like absolutely amazing. It goes beyond perfect, in my opinion. But um, Resident Evil 2 for sure, that is so caked in my head. Um, and it, it could be simply because of this. It's, it's, it's so just baked into my head that when I play that game, um, I, all the sounds like kind of merge together in a sense where like, if I'll, I'll immediately know that I'm not doing something correctly, if, uh, those pieces aren't all falling into place. So like the footsteps, like on, what note the song is currently on if that is off i mean like i i just know by like like even like instinct and in a sense that something's wrong because <laughs> i just played that game so many fucking times i like that i i feel the same way as you do where you know sometimes you listen to something so much that you know the like intricacies of it like you know for me the mass effect soundtracks are like that like i listen to those just by themselves frequently because I really enjoy them, but it never takes away when I go back and I play those games, you know, and I know all the little motifs and things like that that go on between the three games. It's important to me because it just like is it's a storytelling in its own way. Like I can't imagine playing Suicide Mission in Mass Effect 2 without that soundtrack to go along with it. I can't imagine talking to the elusive man in game two or three without his kind of spooky but all-knowing soundtrack in the background. It's outstanding what they were able to do with that to, to add the sense of like wonder to those games and you know I, I listed a few other ones you know sometimes you just hear something and you're just like oh my god like that's brilliant like uh you know playing divinity 2 and you get up onto the top of the ship when you get to uh, reaper's coast or whatever it is mm-hmm. and then the rivalon soundtrack plays and you're just like holy shit like I feel like I'm going on this crazy epic adventure, even though I'm just standing on a boat and I can't really see anything but the boat and the water. It's outstanding. I mean, that game has a beautiful soundtrack to begin with, you know, but it adds to it. You have to have, I think, good quality music. Do you remember the first time you went to the Howling Fjord in World of Warcraft and like listened to that song? Like That song makes you feel like you're in the Highlands somewhere. You know what I mean? And it almost doesn't matter that you're listening to it, you know, hours and hours and hours upon end because it doesn't get old, which is something really spectacular for, you know, a game to be able to do. Um, And I think, you know, soundtracks can also improve games, right? So, you know, you talked about Resident Evil where, you know, the game wouldn't be the same without the soundtrack that's in there. But I think some games are just drastically improved by their soundtrack. And I think Doom might be one of them, like you mentioned. 
I don't know if that game is the same as it is when it was released in 2016 if you don't have Mick Gordon producing that soundtrack. And I heard a lot of people no, say that about the DLC, which I don't know much about. Maybe you know more than me, the DLC for Eternal, because that wasn't his music. Yeah, I never, um, I didn't play it. I know that's made by, um, I believe, uh, I could be wrong, by Andrew Holschult. Um, he has done some pretty good soundtracks. Um, he did the Dusk soundtrack, which is, um, I, I don't think you played it, but it's like a, like a retro FPS. Right. Um, he did a really good job. Um, actually, after this, I'll probably link you one of the tracks. Um, but anyways, uh, I'm sure it, while he's good, I doubt it's on the level of McGordon, simply because it, it seems like uh, he at least understood what um what he was doing basically it's like like and i'm sure andrew holshow tried it tried to to match up to it i haven't heard any of the tracks so like i you know i'm kind of saying this out of pure ignorance but um i doubt any of them have that impact that uh mcgordon had yeah. it's hard anytime you know for any reason the game undergoes like a drastic change you know be it the narrative direction like the dead space games you know, or uh, musical change. That was one of the things that really bothered me about the third Mass Effect game was that they didn't have Jack Wall, from what I understand, back to do some of the soundtracks. They used his, like, music from two and one, and they had some of the original people from one in there, but they also used a couple new people, and I thought, like, why? Why would you do that? Like, I know it's supposed to be a big blockbuster ending to your game, but, like, bring back the people that got you there because that's what made you successful to begin with. Um, but I know there was a whole host of legal issues between Nick Gordon and, and ID, I think, software. So, you know, who really knows? But, you know, that's a game, again, that's drastically improved by its soundtrack. That's one of the first things people talk about, apart from it being a really good game. And, you know, because it was a reboot, I'm sure there was people worried that it wouldn't be as good as it became, you know what I mean? Like, Oh yeah. But he has like beautiful renditions of, uh, of the old tracks in there. And oh, then yeah. I don't know if you, if you looked at like, um, the reason why it fits so well is cause it, it, uh, it's designed to change depending on like what you're doing. And so he wrote like numerous different, um, like takes on each song or each like I get I don't know like sections of songs right of uh, the songs to like basically match what was going on, and so um, that's like a that's a great example I think for any other developer to take to account um, if you want to push that extra mile and add um, better I, I want to say I mean it might bring immersion um, at least when it comes to uh, you know, you're depending on, you know, in Doom, you know, if you're depending on what you're using, you know, if you're using the super shotgun versus the machine gun, you know, the riff is changing. And so it like, it's your directing, you know, in a sense, the player is directing the music and it just adds to the flavor and like wonderfully. It's great. I agree. And, you know, one of the other things that's outstanding is that, uh, you know, we play Warhammer, but the one of the problems of Warhammer 2 is that a lot of the music was the same. You notice that? Like, 
If you were an oh old, yeah, like it was yeah. like essentially generic. Yeah. If you, you, you were an old world race, you pretty much got the same music as all the other old world races, and the new races and two had their own unique theme. But to be honest, like those got old because there was like what four, and then like some more when the Tomb Kings were added. I think the Vampire Coast kind of shared some with the Vampire Count, so it wasn't really super unique. But you listen to their trailers and you see like how they make the gunshots line up with the orchestra and stuff like that. Oh, beautiful. yeah, like, like that, that fucking sea shanty. Like, like, why couldn't that be in the, the o- game? Ogre music you know, or the ogre music. Yeah. Yeah. It makes you wonder. It's like out of all the games and I know they do a lot, but I feel like they need to have so much more music in that game than they have because of the amount of times you're going to fight a battle and they need to have more music on the campaign map, too. Because even in three, like depending on what area of the map you're in, you will hear some of that two music, which is fine. Like there's nothing yeah. wrong with that because it keeps everything fresh. But it's like, man, I've heard a lot of this, <laughs> you know. Yeah, exactly. You know, you need to add some more to, to keep your game feeling fresh. Because if this is something that they know people are going to play hours upon hours upon hours, like you have to have stuff that mixes it up. That's one of the things WoW does really well. They have an entire suite for the Howling Fjord that's like 45 minutes long. And depending on where you go in the zone, it changes. And some of the, you know, the riffs and the things like that change based off where you're at. And you go to a new zone, you get a completely new soundtrack. That's an entire, like, another, like, 45-minute suite. So it doesn't just constantly repeat to be the same thing. Other games, I feel like, can take a lesson from that. I think... Other parts of soundtracks, you know, I there's always that sense of feeling like you're really in depth and in a game like just immersion. People talk about immersion a lot, especially in RPGs and things like that, where you want to feel like you're your character. And it's interesting because I think sometimes music can take you out of that a little bit because none of us walk around unless we're at the gym or we're walking around listening to music, having like a soundtrack going while we're doing stuff on a daily basis. Be kind of cool, but we don't. But I think that also speaks to the power of a strong soundtrack in a game where it's like you're not even really thinking about it. It's just adding to the emotion of what you're dealing with. Same way well, like, right, well, good, uh, One example would be like imagine if you could, you know, you, let's say you did have kind of like a soundtrack that would pop in your head suddenly if something changed. So if you were just walking around and all of a sudden you heard battle music, and you're like, okay, something's about to happen. Like, oh, shit. It's like, yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, in the Elder Scrolls games, you know, it's like you just walk around and all of a sudden there's battle music. And you're like, okay, something's about to happen. Like, so that, that's a little immersion breaking in right. that sense. Um, but at the same time, it's, I mean, you get in situations where that, that that music will enhance, you know, because it's it's fitting for the situation. But, but you know, at least in, the, in those games, more often than not, it's not a... Um, the, the little annoyances is that you just walk around and all of a sudden battle music starts and you're like, oh, okay, some someone's around here pissed off at me. And usually it's something that's hidden away and you're like, really? It's like, do you, <laughs> did I really have to have this, yeah, this orchestral crab. suite? Yeah, because yeah. a mud, fucking mud crab is mad angry at me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Elder Scrolls uh, has both the <clears throat> excuse me, has both the positive and negative parts of the soundtrack where God damn if their soundtracks like aren't ridiculously beautiful. 
and most of like what you play, right? So like going through the cities, like listen to the streets of White Run or something like that. But I hate it when they get like railroaded and interrupted by something. Although the battle music is really good too. Yeah, because like and the streets of White Run really good. Um, the one that plays um, in Solitude's really nice too. Mm-hmm. It's like this great little bits, um, and of course with Morrowind, you know, uh, Narvar Rising, and then you have um, the Path Most Traveled and all that. Of um, but of course with Morrowind, like it's a little too repetitive. <laughs> but, oh yeah, because uh, there's only like three soundtracks that that loop. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I mean, it's such a like, and then I play that so much. It's like sometimes I have to actually turn off the music. Where it's like Jesus Christ, you know, it's like, this is like the the tenth time I've heard Nervar Rising in the past, like you know, fifteen minutes. It's like I, I need something else to you know yeah. to to get me going here, get you immersed in it. Yeah, because it's you know, it, like and it's one else. of my favorite tracks too. It's like like I still occasionally um, get fucking goosebumps when I hear a a a, a good rendition of Nervar Rising. It's like, but. At the same time, and you know, and then all the nostalgia comes to me. But it's like sometimes when I'm playing it, it's like, come on now, so I need something else here. Yeah, do I need to hear it like again? I feel the same way when I play games like uh, one of the game, uh, games I like to was Ace Combat Seven, and like that's a it's a really good game, kind of sort of light sim combaty, um, you know, jet pilot game, right? And I don't really know what I was expecting when I played it, except like I wanted to be like a fighter pilot, right? And go around and shoot people out of the skies. The soundtrack really, really pulled me into it. Where it's like it has this, that Charge Assault song is played in the beginning. And I think it's kind of played in the middle, depending on like what battle you're in. Usually when you're dogfighting with like other named pilots or anything like that. And in the ending. And when it plays in the ending, when you're going through and you're, you know, facing down what the ending boss is, it just like really gets you going it with, with how strong it comes off. Like while you're in the middle of flying, it's like, oh, I've reached the end. Like I'm at the apex here and like it's just playing perfectly, like in my moment of triumph sort of deal. And I love that. And the other thing I love in games, too. Is when you have a theme that means something. When I beat the oh, first, yeah, yeah. when I beat the first Mass Effect, there was the uh, song is called M4 Part Two by Fonts that plays in the credits. It's not really related to the game at all, but the lyrics really resonated with me, and they were just like wonderful. Um, it made me tear up because I felt like I had just gone on this crazy adventure and it was over. Like that was the first time I played a game and beat it, beat it, and I was like, I want more. Like I need more. Like, I thought there was going to be more to this, and there's not. And, like, I need more. And the soundtrack was a part of that. Because um, it takes you on this emotional roller coaster even after you've just been on an emo- emotional roller coaster. It's like sitting there in a movie theater after watching a movie, and the song that's playing is embodying everything you just felt by experiencing it. And you're just sitting there and, like, thinking about it while this music is playing and making you think even more. And it's rare to find that, but I definitely found it in the first Mass Effect. And then recently I found it in Cyberpunk 2077, which a lot of people will say what they want about that game. 
but the soundtrack is one of its stronger parts and how soundtrack and just music in general relates to the overall story is even better when you take the context of the song that plays during the ending credits um you know the the motif of that song that plays in various parts of the game it just is it's pulls on your heartstrings and i think anybody is you know who plays it is smart enough to know that it's doing it on purpose but it doesn't matter because of what the song the original song which is like a punk song by one of the characters in the game what it represents in addition to how it's being played in those specific moments of the game it really just kind of sits there and takes you on an emotional ride which is just you know wonderful it's one it's one of those things where it's like you hear it and you're you feel something emotionally instantly because you're like hey i know that like oh shit like i know that and then you're you're like that meme where it's like the mr incredible meme where it's like you know, you're sitting there you're smiling you're happy and then all of a sudden your face just goes dark like oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. yeah just like the first time you hear it hey this is great the second time you hear it uh oh i don't know and i you know i get most of my you know musical choices from like games like when i was a kid it was like games would help me like find music i liked and professional wrestling and that was about it so you know having a really strong soundtrack is is important to me and then the oh, oh go ahead i was gonna say it was just like with old the old jrpgs and stuff like every song um you know again like set the mood and then there's those aspects where it really really um hits home you know because there's whether you know a big um critical point in the story or it's for like a special boss fight all that and so um i don't know how many of the like i don't think you played any of those old rpgs it's like but um their soundtracks are just like I mean, I, I linked you the Chrono Cross and the, the Final Fantasy VII, a, a couple of their songs, um, but those those hit home perfectly and and in accordance to the game's actual story. Um, you don't really get as much from them listening to them, um, but as you said, it's like you, there's a for you for someone who's actually played the game. Um, there's that connection with it, and so it, it like. Not only is it a great song in its own right, but it's enhanced for you because you experience that. Exactly. And just listening to those sound, you know, especially in those older games, I think they're just iconic. They're synonymous. Like, you know exactly what's going on when you hear that song or it brings you back to a time. Just and I think any song can do this. It can bring you back to a time where things were different or similar and bring you back to that same mindset, even momentarily. Like this is when I first heard this and this is what was going on. And this is where I was at. And that, you know, resonates importantly to people as well. Yeah. Cause I'll get questions like if I'm, you know, writing with someone and I'll have a, a song playing from some game and they'll be like, Oh, you know, that's, that's really nice. And then they'll ask like, you know, who's the artist or whatever. And I have to kind of like explain it to them. Um, and they kind of look at me like, you know, like I'm weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like you, you just, you don't understand <laughs> in that sense. It's like, you know, like obviously you like the song cause you know, you're interested in it, 
it's like um it's like but there's this whole other level and uh without actually experiencing it you know you're not you're you're not getting the full context here right it's all small pieces of a greater whole that make it what it is you know you can appreciate classical music or you know something that's uh really fantastic piece but if there's missing context that goes along with it you're enjoying you're enjoying it for what it is but there's so much more that you know it can relate to that makes it you know that much of a standout in your mind and then that's just like games in general it's like you know people who don't really play games or who only think games are you know what they play on their phone right and all that completely miss about the experience of playing video games. Um, is it's not, you're not sitting there watching a movie. You're not, um, you know, reading a book. And while those are obviously valid ways to experience something or experience content, um, in their own way, it's like, you know, and then of course, you know, there's some things that can only be experienced as a story or, um, as a book or as a movie, you know, like, um, uh, the house of, House of Leaves, I believe, or if I'm misremembering mis- the title. Right. Um, but that can only be experienced as a book. Like, there's right. no other way. Um, and so, but there are some, like, in some games, you know, where, like, some telling someone reading the story of, like, Red Dead Redemption and versus playing the game and experience it like i I don't think they would not get the same experience no not at all (laughs) watching a movie of it yeah yeah you couldn't you couldn't watch red dead redemption especially the first one as a movie and get that same emotional connection with john and then the the follow-up emotional connection with his son when you know you finish yeah totally finish the game like it's just it's not possible and I don't think you could read it in a book and get the same thing either. So that's, uh, I think you're right about that. Like it's its own unique art form. And it's always interesting, you know, when we see, you know, oh, we're going to make a movie of this or we're going to do this. It's like, well, you could do that. But in a way, you're kind of missing the point. You're kind of missing the point. I think it's easier to go from any other media to uh to a game like you can make a game that's based off of the lore of a movie or the lore of a book they've done it and they've done it successfully but i don't think you can get that same connection you know when they try to make the resident evil movies and they try to make all that it's like no you're missing the point like it's not this this movie about running around and shooting zombies and you know survival like a little bit yeah but like it you will never feel that same terror you will feel when you're playing a game and you don't know what's around the next corner. Right? Oh yeah, and, and then you know, obviously they always go all crazy bombastic, and it's like, what the hell is this? Yeah, they go over the top um, because it sells more tickets. But yeah, yeah, exactly. But you're never, you're not going to experience, um, you know, starting from that fucking burning wreckage and then running through the seat, the streets of Raccoon City scared out of your mind because you have you know you're trying to learn the tank controls you know the the music is fucking creepy um you know you might be almost dead and then you walk into this room and then that fucking save room thing plays and it's it's like calming but it's also like eerie 
yeah, eerie. And like, you just know, it's like, okay, you know, here I'm safe. It's like, but I eventually I'm going to have to step out that door and, you know, back into whatever the hell I'm going to run into. And, uh, but yeah, it's just like, that's, that's the great, that's the great thing about experience video games. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the music, it's the, the story, it's the gameplay. It's, you know, when we stop and think about it, you know, we were talking about World of Warcraft earlier. It's so many of these things that has to be right for it to be successful. Like there's so many things that has to, has to be right, you know, in a movie <clears throat> and not to take away from any other medium, but in a movie, the soundtrack has to be right. The actors have to be right. The performance has to be right. And the story has to be right. And, you know, you have to have land and have places where you do these things and all that has to be right. The time of day, you know, all these things. In a game, it's soundtrack, acting, characters, writing, and then you actually have to be able to make the game and make it playable on top of all of that. It seems difficult, <laughs> you know, and it is difficult. It, it's, it's, yeah, to say the least. Yeah, to say the least. I mean, it, it's it's extremely difficult thing to do, and the people who do it, they don't really do it for a lot of money either. They do it because they love it. They do it because they want to make the games that, you know, they want to see as well. Um, so it's honestly, to me, one of the most pure and amazing art forms that, that's out there. And I know a lot of people don't get it because they don't understand games. They think they're overly complicated. And I can understand that because they can be. You know, I don't think anybody could just pick up and play Dark Souls. They could try, but they might not be successful at it. But um, And maybe that's not the best game, you know, to start as an example. But... It's just this wonderful, beautiful medium that uh, is, I don't know, one of the more pure forms of expression and art that I, I absolutely love. And I think a good soundtrack absolutely positively adds to that. Um, it's just one piece of the whole, you know? Exactly. Well, I think that about covers all I wanted to talk about today. I don't know if you have anything else you want to add. I know you'll be working on this war of mine this coming week, and I'm going to hopefully be finished with Bloodborne this next week. We'll see how she goes. Uh, but is there anything else you wanted to add before we wrapped up today? Nope, I think that's it. All right. Well, we would like to thank everybody for joining us on the War Banner podcast, and we'll be coming back at you next week with some other topics. So... Thank you again for joining us, and we will see you next week.